We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I don't think that's how this game works. Oh, well. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dice Tradecast, brought to you by My FFPC on Rotoviz Radio. I'm your host, Nathan Powell, live from the McDonald's parking lot once again. And tonight I am joined by my... The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Good friend, Dan Senyo. How's it going, my friend? It's good. This this is turning into the car cast. I, I, I don't mind it, actually. I, I don't mind it. It's uh, We should get McDonald's as a sponsor, if we're being completely honest. We should, we should. Uh, I will say the sound was a little bit better last week because I did get the mic to work. And once again, crossing our fingers and thumbs, I got the mic to work again this this episode. So hopefully we don't sound too terrible, not 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 more terrible than normal, at least. Um, so I would like to share some some personal information to those of us that 
listen to the podcast know, but people who don't listen to the podcast don't know. So I don't know why I'm telling you guys, but so I shared um, information about me moving um, on Facebook recently. And I had people reaching out both in my personal life and in fantasy who are friends with me on Facebook saying you're moving to Virginia. And to the people who are in the fantasy industry who asked me that, I'm like, do you, you just don't listen to the podcast like that. That hurt my feelings. You just clearly don't listen. Yeah. I mean, uh, maybe they, maybe they just click on it just for us. I mean, I appreciate the click, but you know, I know it can be kind of tough to listen to Nathan and McDonald's, but come on guys. <laughs> I mean, they're not listening cause they don't listen, but you know, that, that's just how it is. Just be careful who you're friends with. That's my point. <laughs> be very careful. There's a lot of predators out there. All righty. So uh, today, before we get into the show, I want to let you guys know that as a little podcast, there there is uh, a ticking clock. It's it's over, folks. Uh, the 30% discount. Sayonara. See you later. It is now a 10% discount. I hope you, you cashed in on that 30% discount. But if you didn't, you can still get 10% off at rotaviz.com slash podcast. This is probably going to be the offer through the end of the offseason, so it's not going back to 30%. That's gone. But if you need a Rotoviz subscription, everyone needs one in their life in order to be, be a fantasy football winner, in order to support the great folks at Rotoviz Radio like Dan and myself. So rotoviz.com slash podcast, 10% off. It's better than 0% off, Dan. That's true. Or, I mean, it could be a surcharge and they could add to it. So th- there's that. <laughs> yes, that's always the bright side. Another bright side is we got a tight end episode today, one of the more difficult uh, positions <laughs> to value in fantasy football. So Dan and I are going to break it down, some of our personal opinions on uh, on the matter of, you know, particulars with the position, players, and, of course, we will finish off with a good old rookie or the vet. Rookie! Rookie or the vet! It's beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. Yes, absolutely beautiful. All right, so why don't you kick us off? Okay, well, we are going to start the dreaded tight end episode off with just a little mini overview, and then we'll kind of work um, work down the list. We'll talk about the tiers. We'll talk about depth. We'll even slide into a little bit of Debbie uh, at the end there. But starting off with a little bit of tight end overview, as far as valuation goes, tight end is, is always kind of been a tough one. Uh, I mean, for the last six to eight years, give or take, um, it's been Rob Gronkowski with a little bit of Jimmy Graham mixed in. And that was about it up until recently with Travis Kelsey. So it was always kind of the one or two. Um, and now we've seemingly got a top tier of about three. And uh, one question I always seem to get, uh, whether it's Twitter, whether you know it's just whatever, in real life, I get people to ask me questions about tight end, is how do you value it? And where where do you place these guys? And as far as just basic standard one quarterback, one tight end type leagues with no premiums placed on anything, I always tell people find the nearest quarterback to the guy you're looking at. So, for instance, if we were looking at tight end one, go find QB one. Wherever Patrick Mahomes is, is probably right around where Travis Kelsey should be because those are two positions where you're only starting one player. And the top, especially the top end guys are all going to kind of fall in the same spot because they are scoring so many points. And a lot of people like to talk about the positional advantage, but just strict evaluation. I'm always looking for the nearest quarterback when I'm trying to evaluate what I'm trying to do with the tight end, whether I'm trading for him, trading him away. I'm just trying to gauge that price. That's always seemed to be the best way for me to find it. Yeah, that is an interesting juxtaposition. And there are similarities between the two because I'm never investing early at the quarterback position in a one quarterback league, and I'm never investing early at the tight end position either. 
Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into the tiers later, but I'm, I'm mostly avoiding the, the top few guys just because when I'm building a startup team, I'm g- going with the running backs, the wide receivers, mostly the wide receivers. And there's just so much more value later on in the position, more upside, you know, not more upside, but better upside with late round tight ends than there is with late round wide receivers. So that's kind of been my stance on it. I don't really ever want to pay up. The one time where I will, you know, try and venture into the top tier or maybe the top of the second tier will be during rookie drafts when they're coming out of, uh, out because that's usually like the cheapest when the best tight ends will be because some people say, oh, they're going to, you know, be slow to develop. And that happens sometimes. But I feel like some most of the top guys get off to a hot start and then they get more expensive as time goes on because it, it is a position that, you know, produces until it's into the, the early 30s. So definitely a decent lifespan for a tight end. Yeah, no doubt. That's that's one of the positive things. We've seen so many of these guys be legitimately relevant until 34, 35 even, uh, depending on the player. Obviously, with Gronk, we're just retiring at, what, 30, 31, uh, maybe 32. Uh, that's you know a little bit early on the early end, but, I mean, he did what he needed to do and got out. But with this, with this current top tier and, honestly, a, a pretty decent landscape at the moment, tight end's always kind of been a mess just because of the way that the position's played and the amount of injuries that occur and all of that. It's always just kind of been gross. Um, but I feel like right now we're in a pretty decent place where we've got a legitimate number of tight ends where maybe you start looking at more two tight end type leagues to to stretch it out a little bit because two tight end leagues a few years ago, it would I mean, you were basically playing zeros, which I mean, that's that's one of the downfalls about switching into different formats and whatnot. But uh, as far as now, the the landscape is pretty strong. I, I mean, we're probably close to 20, maybe 24 deep that you can almost consistently count on. Uh, now, again, tight end is that really volatile position where you, you're kind of hit and miss a lot of the time, uh, aside from the top few guys that are getting consistent targets. But as far as overall full season producers, I feel like we're definitely two full sets of tight ends deep at this point. So we're in a better spot. I, I think it'll continue to get a little bit deeper here as we move forward. But I did just mention moving to a different format. And Nathan, I'll pose the question to you and and you can take it whatever direction you'd like. Does tight end premium matter to you? For me, it, it doesn't. Honestly, it only makes my life easier, whether it be tight end premium or, or uh, normal one PPR. I'm trying to avoid those top tight ends like the plague. I'm, I'm searching more for the diamond in the rough, the high upside, you know, guys that are maybe struggled their first couple of years in the NFL and therefore they're getting cast aside. I'm looking for one of those guys to possibly hit in their later years more so than targeting one of the higher guys. And that doesn't change in tight end premium 1.5 PPR because it really doesn't make that much of a difference. I mean, if you look at it, it's half it's half a point per catch. The best tight ends are catching 70 to 80 balls. That's 35, you know, 40 points over the course of the season. That's really only a point or two per game. Yet yes, that may sound like a lot to some people, but it really isn't in tight end premium. I'll I'll, I'll give up the one or two points per game, you know, to get just a, a middle of the road tight end. Yeah, I agree for the most part with with that. I think the the one caveat may be if it's a full extra point, if it's two PPR for tight ends, which I'm starting to see a little bit more of, which seems a little bit crazy to me. It, it definitely brings the position up 
to the field. Whereas 1.5, I mean, it basically just makes your top end guys score more points and keeps everybody else around the same. Uh, the one thing I will say that I, I do believe adds uh, legitimate value to the tight end position is a two tight end league because now you're forced to, you have 24 starters that are forced upon the league. I mean, sure, you could take a zero and still focus on other positions and not worry about tight end and at least one of your spots, but adding that extra spot, just like Superflex, uh, it, it forces another a potential big number into, into a starting lineup, whereas you could just be playing a flex with a running back or a wide receiver. It's, it's making you use that position, giving it automatically more value. Yeah, for me, I, I do think that two tight end is a much better tight end premium than, you know, even changing the score into two PPR. I think that adding the second position is more important, but I don't think that you should necessarily feel forced to, you know, have two guaranteed startable tight ends in two tight end. I think more so in two tight end, it just increases the value of those top guys saying, okay, having this guy that's locked in to score 10 to 15 points every week. That is such a, it's much more valuable in two tight end than it is in one tight end, just because it can soften the blow of taking that three point game from that second tight end if you're getting that larger score from the first tight end. So I think it adds value to, to the top tight ends, the, the two tight end, but I don't think it, I, I think if you're saying that, like, okay, I, now I have to get two top six tight ends, I think you're going to end up overspending, particularly if that raises the, val- the value and, and with the drafting or the auction value of where tight ends are being drafted. Without a doubt, yeah, I think I think what's worked pretty well for me in uh, in any of the two tight end leagues that I've been in has been targeting you know a top eight to ten guy for my first spot, and then focusing on the second spot almost like a best ball draft, uh, going after some ceiling plays, some boom bust types, and just hoping to find like you mentioned earlier, a diamond in the rough. So like, and like you just said, making sure that you have that first spot, at least a little bit on lockdown, getting yourself between eight and 12 points, I think is really important. And then the other spot, you can more focus on trying to, you know, be okay with a two point game, but also randomly having 24 and 28 point games when they go off. And, um, you know, that happens, you know, like Mark Andrews would be a really good example of that last year. Somebody who, had a whole bunch of zeros and a whole, not a whole bunch, but a few really big games. And those were league winners, not necessarily league winners, but weak winners for sure. And those are important, especially in that type of, of format. So now that we are a little bit through kind of our main overview, a few of the kind of tight end premium talking points, let's talk about actual tiers. Now, the first tier has seemed to kind of set itself, if you will. A lot of people want to put Kelsey just kind of on that pedestal by himself. I still think it is the three-man tier. If Kelsey or Ertz were George Kittle's age, I think those two would be legitimately alone by themselves. Um, But what George Kittle was able to do in San Francisco um, as a rookie and as a sophomore and what Travis Kelsey and Zach Ertz have continued to do, I think, keeps them all in a bundle in that top tier pretty securely with a pretty big margin until the next group. Are you on board with that? Do you think Kelsey is is kind of in a league of his own, or are these guys still relatively close for you? So, like I said, I, I generally do try and avoid these, these top end tight ends, so I didn't really know where their value was in relation to the second tier. I think that the gap between tier one and tier two is way larger than it should be. Um, Just from an ADP standpoint, Kelsey's at 24, Kittle 25, and Ertz 29. 
And then there's a 22-pick drop from Ertz at 29 to Ingram at 51. I have Kelsey all the way down to Njoku at 6, much closer than the ADP does. And that's just further proof that I am avoiding these guys. But for me, I I think that that Kelsey is just a bit more safe. I think he has a a higher floor week to week. I think he has a higher ceiling week to week than George Kittle or Zach Ertz. I think those, those guys are both quality. But I think that they have similar floors and ceilings weekly as Evan Ingram, as O.J. Howard, as Njoku, as we'll talk about, and other guys, I, I think that basically my point is that the gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 should not be as exaggerated as it is at this point. Yeah, especially at a, a you know when we're considering a start one position. But that's another reason why tight ends just kind of gross. The, the top guy or top guys always seem to be pretty overvalued. And then everybody else kind of falls in line and are, are much more palatable. Um, because of you know where Evan Ingram and OJ Howard and the rest of those guys are all going, even a couple of the rookies with uh, Hawkinson and Fant, those all seem to be much better spots to be targeting tight ends. If you're trying to get someone with a really high ceiling, uh, I'm not ever spending a first two round pick on a tight end, probably not even a first four round pick on a tight end. To be completely honest with you, and and the fact that Kelsey and Kittle are what you said 24, 25, and then Ertz 29. Yeah, that's they, they need to be a round and a half down, honestly. Yes, Kelsey's going to score an absolute ton of points this year, or at least that's the assumption. But again, because of how volatile the position is and the way the injuries occur, you could very well be looking at a six-game season or a 10-game season. And then now you have all of that cost sunken into... And yes, injuries can occur at any position. It's just It seems to be the case that it's always a lot heavier at tight end. You can really count on a 12 to 14 game season. And that's about it. Just to give a general view of how I'm viewing the tiers right now, from a personal standpoint, I think that it's Kelsey alone. Maybe you can argue his age. He should be here with the rest. But I think Kittle, Ertz, Ingram, Howard, and Joku, and maybe even Hunter Henry should all be considered in one tier. And I'm not even the biggest Hunter Henry fan in the world. And then I think there's a little bit of a drop off. If we're talking about Ebron, Fant, Hawkinson, and the, I think that Fanton Hawkinson could very easily be in this and mentioned with Howard and Ingram this time next year. It's more of just waiting out the tight ends a year just to see what they do in year one. Yeah, and I'm I'm definitely on board with the the big three as my first tier. I don't see that massive gap that ADP or or rankings and values are telling us that's there. But I do think that that's my tier, and then my second tier actually it almost rounds out the entire tight end one category uh, because I, I'll go from Ingram to Howard all the way down to to Noah Fant. So uh, we've, I've got, what, six, seven guys in my second tier just because of the potential ceiling there. All of those guys seem to kind of be on the same wavelength. I think the only, the only guy you could realistically kick out of there is probably Eric Ebron uh, just because with the tight end position already being super volatile and now Indianapolis bringing in Paris Campbell and adding other pass catching options plus Jack Doyle it potentially being healthy could throw a wrench into things. So I think if anyone were to move out of that tier for me would be, would be Eric Ebron, but um, it's, it's a much wider tier I think than most probably would have it. I think a lot of people would have like an Ingram Howard and Joku tier and then move into the next one. So I think we're looking finally at, at a tight end landscape. That's, that's actually decent. Uh, th- these, these, I feel like we have more names 
now that have value for one and two have the potential to legitimately produce with landing spots and quarterback play and everything going in their favor. I feel like tight end could be much better this year and maybe be worth the value for once. Yeah. So let's, let's next talk about who we think is possible. Let's, let's go with your, your second tier that ends with Fant and Hawkinson. Who is most likely of the, of the next group to enter tier two, which I would say that's kind of where it goes from potential dynasty value to dynasty value. All those guys in that second tier have dynasty value. All the guys right outside of it are like, well, they have to, something has to happen in order for them to really be valued in dynasty. Obviously everyone has dynasty value, but I, you know what I'm saying? Where there's actually a meaning for, you know, this player has dynasty value. Definitely. I think, I think the big obvious one is, is Dallas Goddard. If Philly decides that they want to run more two tight end stuff, he could see a massive leap. He he could move into that, to that Engram and Joku uh, Howard category. Honestly, uh, if, if Philly decides to kind of slow down with Ertz and move into Goddard a little bit more, that seems really reasonable to me. And then I'll be in that list too, is somebody like Austin Hooper, who isn't going to be flashy. I don't see a really, really high ceiling there, but he's just kind of always going to be like a tight end eight to 12, just because of the passing game in Atlanta. And there's not a ton, a ton of options there. And obviously with like Tevin Coleman leaving and basically just Devonta Freeman left. And then you have Julio and Calvin Ridley uh, with Muhammad Sanu getting a little bit of those reps. Uh, I, I don't feel like he could make that big swing. And then, you know, we slide down into a rookie and Irv Smith. And now if the Vikings move on from Kyle Rudolph, we could see Irv Smith move way up because the Vikings have kept Kyle Rudolph really busy as he's been healthy. That seems to be kind of an important role in that offense. So uh, I feel like between Goddard and Irv Smith, we could potentially see two big, big jumps from those two. Yeah, I just don't see the Goddard move quite yet. I, I, I like his talent. I think he's probably the best tight end, but most talented tight end that isn't in that top 10. But I think that there's too many things that have to happen in that situation in order for him to be putting up top six, top seven type tight end numbers. So I'll actually go a little further down the list to a trio of second year tight ends. I like all three of Ian Thomas, Mark Andrews, Mike Gusecki. All three of these guys have big upside, have, have the ability to enter into that top 10 possibly, or even just extend that top 10 into a top 13, top 14. Because Ian Thomas, he showed flashes in year one. Greg Olson has one foot on the field, one foot in the broadcasting booth. Cam Newton has, granted, he's had one of the better tight ends in, in this generation, but Cam Newton's been throwing to Greg Olson his entire career. So guess what? He's continuing to throw to the tight end. He's going to throw to Ian Thomas. It might be a little bit of a wait because Greg Olson is still playing, but Ian Thomas is a player that could be, you know, getting drafted at tight end 10, tight end nine this time next year with, you know, Greg Olson retiring. Andrews, I feel like he has a little bit more hype than the other two guys. People, you know, he, he did show something in year one, so maybe that that's a part of it. He has Lamar Jackson, who many consider a conservative passer. That gives some credence to throwing to the tight end. And then you have Mike Gusecki, who there's kind of two schools of thought here. There's the he was very, very, very bad as a rookie, and so he's just going to be a terrible NFL player. Or there's the he was a second round NFL draft pick. He has the upside. He was a very good, a very productive player in the college level, and he just needs time to develop. And with Josh Rosen in um, in, in Miami, that could happen sooner rather than later. So I, I think of these three, I'm buying Gasecki the most. But I think that all three are solid buys for their price. 
Yeah, I like the I like the sophomore buys there. I think I think just in general that's a pretty good strategy to watch watch those guys that were kind of hyped or maybe overhyped as rookies because I think last year Gasecki was in that tight end 10, 12, 13 uh range and now is all the way down in round 20. So definitely in a buy zone. I think Andrews is I think a little bit underappreciated even though he you do hear his name quite a bit. Uh, obviously with we we see this ADP and these rankings and he's not really getting the love there. So uh, I feel like both of those are are really great. Ian Thomas, I'm still, I like, I don't love. I feel like that just like how you said with Kaseki could go one of two ways. Uh, it's all going to depend on what happens with Craig Olson and kind of how that offense continues to trend toward kind of the explosive playmaker group that they have. So we'll see how Ian Thomas fits in there. But definitely the three of those could make a big leap as well. All righty, let's move on to some Debbie tight ends. Uh, Debbie tight ends not really a, a topic that gets broached much because they do have the slow development. So the, the, what's even slower than a rookie draft development? The development of a Debbie player. So they generally get avoided Debbie tight ends, but there, there are a couple guys in college who are worth keeping an eye on. Uh, the first one is Albert Okwingam. <laughs> uh, the, the tight end out of Missouri, 6'5", 255, no surprise, big guy. In his freshman year in, in 2017, 29 catches, 415, 11 touchdowns. 11 touchdowns as a freshman tight end is absolutely ridiculous. He slowed down a little bit in, in uh, 2018, uh, 43 catches, 466, and only six touchdowns. So a little bit of a sophomore slump. But when I see the, those type of touchdown numbers from a freshman tight end, I, I like what I see, and I think it's w- worthy of de- Debbie consideration. Definitely. Yeah. And to be clear for most, um, if you're not entirely, you know, haven't completely dove into Debbie or just maybe aren't really used to it, you really shouldn't be touching tight ends unless you have a relatively deep Debbie. Most everything. Or if there's two tight end, a large tight end premium. Right. Yep. That's, that's when you want to pay a little bit more attention to it. And oftentimes those kind of go hand in hand with deeper Debbie. A lot of times those leagues end up going to maybe four rounds or five rounds, but you do kind of want to avoid tight end in a, from a Debbie perspective. Uh, and again, unless there's a premium or it's very deep, then you can start looking at guys outside, maybe the top 50. Uh, I think that's maybe when I would start considering it because again, like Nathan just said, the development is is always a little bit slower. It seems some of these guys come in and they're pro ready, but for the most part, they just aren't, which is fine. Um, that's kind of part of the game, but definitely don't sink a whole lot of Debbie uh, Debbie assets into getting a tight end. But yeah, um, the kid from Missouri, I'm not even going to attempt to say his name, is an absolute beast. I, I think he's locked in tight end one right now, and we'll get to see him in the next draft class. I think, uh, I think there's actually a couple of decent tight ends in this class. Um, the kid from Oklahoma, I can't recall his name. He Grant kinda, Capitera. There you go. Let's go with that name. Oklahoma's been been doing pretty good with their tight ends of late, and I think he continues to to do well in that type of offense. Um, Oklahoma likes to use their tight ends, so uh, I feel like he's probably between him and um, Hunter Bryant. I think those are your two. Those are I think you're kind of two locked in tight end two slash three. Yeah, yeah, and Hunter Bryant, he did get hurt last year, only played five games, but he had 11 catches for 238, 
Um, that equals 21.6 yards per catch. Certainly it would have decreased if he had played more games, but that's the type of weapon he is in that Washington offense uh, with a, the terrible quarterback that is Jake Browning. Uh, he was putting up big numbers in limited time. Yeah, and going back to Calcaterra, he didn't have a monster season last season, but with 26 for just shy of 406 touchdowns, he's definitely being drawn more into the offense. I think I think we see a tight end breakout season, which I don't know what technically qualifies as a tight end breakout season. 40 catches, 40 catches. Okay, I feel like we see that from him this year at Oklahoma. The trend in his in his numbers I think continues to go up and it would kind of make sense for him to get there. He I mean, he plays like a big wide receiver. He's not your your full, well-rounded guy. He's just a big wide receiver, kind of like how Mark Andrews was. Yeah, Mark Andrews can, can do a couple of those things in the blocking game, but he's definitely built more as the pass-catching tight end, which is exactly what Grant Calcaterra is as well. Yeah, and certainly the, the leaving of Marquise Brown will, will help him because it's car- kind of hard to get in at production from a tight end position when you have two likely first-round wide receivers in the offense with Marquise Brown and CeeDee Lamb. So, uh, yeah, it was there, were, there was a lot in the way of uh, tight end production for Grant Calcaterra. One of, that, one of those obstacles is now gone with Marquise Brown. All right, so basically avoid Debbie tight ends, but if we're going to go a little deeper or with, with you know, two tight end or something like that, maybe pay a little bit more attention to it, but – in your traditional, you know, 24 roster per year, 36 per roster per year, those type of leagues, I would generally avoid the tight end position. Without a doubt. And before we slide into the good old rookie or the vet, we need to talk to our lovely listeners about the FFPC, the home of season-long and high-stakes fantasy football. It's been 10 years since the FFPC filled their first Dynasty League, and now they've grown to be the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner with leagues as high as $5,000 to enter. Again, still looking for someone to bankroll me on that one. Uh, The leagues are active, as always, and competitive, and not a single league has ever folded. Brand new startup Dynasty Leagues are forming right now, starting at $77 and going up all the way to that $5,000 league in standard, Superflex, and best ball formats. The FFPC also has plenty of other great redraft formats, including best ball, which we all know and love. Uh, and those start at 35 and go all the way up to $1,250, which is pretty awesome. And those are slow, live, uh, all sorts of fun stuff happening there. So make sure you head on over to the FFPC. That's myffpc.com and get signed up, signed in, and start drafting. Oh, yeah. It's time for Rookie or the Vet. Rookie! Rookie or the Vet! Shout out to uh, Travis Billman, who won his spot in the Listener League uh, through knowing that Rookie or the Vet was from Benny and the Jets, um, (laughs) and that Debbie or Not is from Ready or Not. So here we go. First one, Rookie, TJ Hawkinson. Detroit Lions or the vet David and Joku Cleveland Browns. So uh, this one, I, I think, I, I think in my brain still in limbo and I'm trying to justify it one way or the other. I think because of all the mouths to feed in Cleveland, I think it's going to be a little bit difficult for Joku to, to kind of live up to that price tag. Whereas I think Hawkinson has a pretty clean line to some targets. Now, obviously, uh, Detroit hasn't been the friendliest place to tight ends of late, 
Obviously, we see Eric Ebron get kicked to the curb, and then they go ahead and draft another tight end super early. Um, but I feel like the the potential to hit is, I, I think, a little bit better for Hawkinson. Now, that's a little bit crazy to say for a rookie, but he and Fant were kind of the locked-in top two coming through this, and he's an amazingly well-rounded player, uh, a lot like the guy that I preferred in the draft class to Njoku with uh, O.J. Howard. So I think I'm going Hawkinson there. Yeah, the, the way I look at this one is that I think that Njoku is the better receiver, has the better receiving profile, but there's just too many mouths to feed in Cleveland. You have Jarvis Landry, who's the target hog. You have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Duke Johnson for now. You have Kareem Hunt. There's so many guys who are going to be occupying fantasy points in that offense that David Njoku might be fourth, fifth in line to score fantasy points, and that's just not something I want to see from a tight end. I feel like some wide receivers can survive that, Tight ends don't really survive being the fourth, fifth mouth feed to becoming, you know, a, a top five, top six tight end. And that's kind of the upside you're looking for with these guys. So I, I'm going Hawkinson here, but it, it's with knowing that if it was just teams had nothing to do with it, I would be going in Joku because he'd be going, he's going into his third year. I prefer a tight end going his third year than a tight end going into his first year. I prefer a tight end who has shown the receiving ability that Joku has, but I just can't do it with that many weapons in Cleveland. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. I, I feel like uh, Njoku is is going to be kind of your ideal best ball tight end, where he's going to have those big games, but he's also going to disappear for quite a few games, which is unfortunate. But it's kind of the way that it is. I, I think I think he'll thrive mostly as a red zone threat. There, obviously, he can play down the field. He can play down the you know through the middle. Uh, but I think they'll use him to his strengths, which probably isn't being fed tons and tons and tons of volume, especially as a tight end. But I still think he's going to get his. I just don't think the the floor is there for me to take him here. All right, let's go on to our next matchup, and it is Denver Broncos tight end, Noah Fant, versus 2018 breakout star Eric Ebron. Yeah, um, this, one, this one kind of is another interesting one where – I could. I really liked Noah Fan. I've liked him for a couple of years. I think he was one of the very, very, very few tight ends that were worthy of being selected in Debbie drafts, like we just talked about, as you know, from a, a historic uh, viewpoint. And obviously, again, a really nice landing spot uh, aside from the quarterbacks, even though we know that Joe Flacco absolutely loves to throw to his tight ends. But you do have Drew Locke there fighting for that spot. Obviously, I think it's going to be Flacco at least for year one. I, I feel like I feel like Fant plays that that kind of big receiver role, and I think he does it well. We'll we'll need to see kind of what happens with Cortland Sutton, how he kind of continues to go on. Obviously, with Manny Sanders kind of wrapping up his career there, and then guys like Deshaun Hamilton who are probably going to pull some targets as well. I don't see a ton in the way for Fant to get his. Uh, he's definitely got less in the way than than Eric Ebron does, especially after adding a few bodies. Now they've got, uh, obviously, T.Y. Hilton. They uh, just added Paris Campbell, who seems to be the talk of the town. And been I, I believe it's quoted as he's been the best player in camp or at uh, OTAs or whatever they all are. Obviously, these things don't really matter, and that's mostly coach speak. But when when there's smoke, there's usually a little bit of fire. Uh, and then they bring in what brought in Devin Funches as well, who's kind of plays like a tight end. So 
this uh, plus Jack Doyle's going to potentially be healthy and be back. I like Ebron. I feel like it's kind of a trap, though. Uh, I feel like at this point we're maybe chasing points a little bit. And I think based on my past love and, and Debbie, Debbie drafting of Noah Fant, I think I'm going to go Noah Fant there. Uh, I feel like I feel like they're probably pretty darn close. But I, I think Fant's probably just the better upside play. Yeah, I, I think that the big worry, yes, punches is part part of the worry, but the bigger worry is his splits with Jack Doyle. I don't have him pulled up in front of me, but I'm pretty sure all of Ebron's big games were during were when uh, Jack Doyle was out. Granted, he was out for much of the year, but J- Jack Doyle, when he was you know playing well with Andrew Luck, he was a high target tight end, and I don't really see him completely going away when he's healthy. I think that you know it becomes a two tight end offense, much like Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener years ago, and so I. <laughs> You know, basically a better version of, of Dwayne Allen, Kobe Fleener with uh, uh, Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. So I, I see Ebron's production, both t- obviously he's due for some touchdown regression with double digit touchdowns is not happening again for Eric Ebron. And then just target regression because some of those targets are going to be going to Jack Doyle and Devin Funches. So all this to say, I think that if you are win now, if you need a tight end, I think you kind of have to stick with Ebron. So I don't see Fant contributing year one when that Broncos offense. I don't think that Broncos offense is going to be very good to start with Flacco. So I'll take Ebron short term, but long term, I'm taking Fant. So I'm sitting right in the middle. I'm not picking either. I'm just saying situation dependent, short term Ebron, long term Fant. I don't think you're allowed to do that. I don't think that's how this game works. Oh, well. All right. Next. (laughs) Next. Next rookie of the vet. We're going to go rookie Irv Smith. Versus Mike Gesecki. I will start us off here. I, I think that this one, this one has a wide range of outcomes. Like, I mean, I'm kind of repeating myself because I said that Gesecki has a wide range of outcomes, and this this matchup does as well. I'm going Mike Gesecki here. I, I think that he could very well have a big year in 2019. I don't think there's really a scenario where Irv Smith has a big 2019. He's behind Kyle Rudolph. Yes, they could possibly trade him or cut him, but. That's probably a year away. So I'm, I'm going to swing for the fences here, and I'm going to go with the guy who has a shot at you know moving up five, six spots in tight end ADP uh, more so than Irv Smith uh, in his rookie year. Yeah, I think I think he kind of said it there. The big, the big chance for Irv Smith to really do anything is for the Vikings to move on from Kyle Rudolph. And that at this point doesn't seem super likely – uh, like you said, it kind of feels more like an offseason, a next offseason move uh, for them to make and then kind of let Irv kind of grow a little bit this year and, and learn the offense and and find his spot in the NFL. So I think I'm with you. I think I'm sticking with with Mike Gusecki, the athletic freak from uh, Penn State University who just had the wonderful showing last year with Saquon and, and Gusecki showing out and and we know he's an athletic freak. We don't really know if he's a good football player yet, though. So fingers crossed, <laughs> and hopefully he can turn into turn into something. Uh, I think his dynasty value will remain, even if he does struggle a little bit this year. I still feel like, especially in premium settings, he'll 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 maintain most of his value. Uh, I think we see it drop a little bit if he doesn't produce this year at at kind of the level people are expecting, but. That's that's kind of the way those go with the athletic guys with with a little bit of of draft capital like Mike G has. So yeah, we'll go Gasecki, uh clean sweep there. So who's the final matchup? 
our final matchup is Jace Starnberger of the tight end factory Green Bay Packers versus Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews is a guy that we hit on a little bit earlier in the day, but we can't, it's, this is a juxtaposition of two very different offenses. You have the Green Bay Packers who are going to be a pass heavy offense with Aaron Rodgers versus Mark Andrews, who some people are worried about Marquise Brown and Miles Boykin in the Ravens offense. There's even, there's even more concern for possibly Mark Andrews in a low volume passing offense. Uh, where are you going with these two? I think my love for Mark Andrews will stick around for this one um, as a Sooners fan and, and really liking Mark Andrews, even last year, I know the injury concerns were kind of, were kind of his big thing, but um, I don't know a ton about Jay Sternberger. Uh, obviously with the green Bay landing spot, that's just about ideal. And, you know, even, even though Jimmy Graham really didn't have the year that a lot of people were expecting him to have, he still put up good points and I don't really see, how Sternberger can't get there maybe next year. I still feel like it's a little bit early to kind of slot him in for big production as a rookie. Um, I feel like they'll get him some touches, but he'll be pretty limited for the most part. Whereas Mark Andrews has the potential to be a focal point in that offense. If they continue to kind of use him as that big play guy, like they were last year and get him more involved. I don't think he's ever going to be that high volume guy but I really do believe that he can be a down-the-field threat and a red zone threat where uh, your your Hollywood Brown is, is going to be kind of your your flashy speedster. Um, and Boykin could potentially turn into that big you know, wide receiver one type kind of guy. But I feel like Lamar Jackson having that year or half a year under his belt, getting comfortable with Andrews, I feel like that's probably the cleaner route here is to stick with Andrews, even though Sternberger has – uh, I believe the draft capital on him just a little bit and uh, probably a cleaner injury history. So I feel like this one's probably pretty close to uh, if you really love the Packer landing spot, which you really should because they they've seemed to do all right for the most part. Uh, I just got to stick with my guy, Mike Andrews. I guess I'll bring this up because I don't think anyone's really talking about it. Is there any issue or any um, concern about Hayden Hurst in the regards to uh, Mark Andrews dynasty value or is Hayden Hurst the worst NFL draft pick in NFL history? <laughs> I feel like he was drafted as whatever the position left of left tackle would be or right of right tackle would be. That's not considered a tight end. I feel like he was drafted specifically to be an extra tight, an extra offensive lineman, honestly, because we didn't see him involved at all last year. It's quite possible because of his position designation that, he's the worst draft pick of all time, but I feel like they're just using him as another offensive lineman, which is fine. That's, you know, uh, a 27 year old offensive lineman in the, in the first round. Hey, you got to wait till they bulk up a little bit. You know, maybe he's going to start putting on some weight. He's going to come into camp as a 320 pound tight end. Yeah. I'm not too worried about Hurst at this time, uh, unfortunately for the Ravens. Um, and I, I'll, I'll go Andrews here as well. Uh, I just kind of lines up with the is. He's more likely to pop this year than Jay Sternberger is. So that's that's where I'm at with those guys. Um, so to, to wrap us up, I think we agreed on everything. Uh, for, and then the only real toss-up is I, I was indecisive on Fant versus Ebron. Yeah, I, I you know, as having a third person used to make this a little bit more interesting. But, uh, you know, that's 
that's different. <laughs> uh, I feel, you know, like like we talked about before, though, I feel like the tight end landscape is so different now than it has been where we actually have these decisions to make because most of these guys are, you know, 6, 8, all the way down to 15, 16, 20 for your, for your tight ends. And, and we weren't able to have these legitimate conversations about potential tight end play or tight ends for dynasty it, really at all in the last five, six, seven years, uh, maybe never. Uh, it just feels like we've never really had this deep of a crop of tight ends. Alrighty, that should wrap up the show. Just a reminder that you should uh, give us a rating and review on iTunes. Say how awesome McDonald's Car Nathan is. It's really great, really great. And uh, let, let us know any any. We're getting into the thin part of the offseason, folks. We decided to do a tight end episode four minutes before recording. So if you have things you'd like us to discuss, any topics, uh, we we will do any. And of course, I say this every time. Every single time, but we'd love to do a listener listener question episode. But whenever we get listener questions, it's always just like, um, "Should I trade Ty Hilton for <laughs> Noah Fant?" And I'm just like, "No, no, you should not trade Ty Hilton for Noah Fant." That's so, amazing content. That's 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 the best type of content. Just one word, yes, no answers for let's go like 47 minutes, and the people will love it. The people will absolutely love it. And by the way, Nathan's not kidding about us deciding right before the show. We had an entire different show in our notes ready to go. And it was like, you know what? Let's just do the dreaded tight end episode that we have to do every year. Yep, that's for sure. Alrighty, that'll wrap us up. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for listening. Uh, make sure to leave a rating review. And we'll see you guys next time. factory labor day sale is happening now hurry in for the best deals of the season 40 to 75 percent off everything plus doorbusters august 30th through september 2nd only tees from 4.99 logo styles from 16.99 and jeans from 19.99 shop in store today at gap factory or at gapfactory.com the gap factory labor day sale is happening now hurry in for the best deals of the season 40 to 75 percent off everything plus doorbusters august 30th through september 2nd only tees from 4.99 logo styles from 16.99 and jeans from 19.99 shop in store today at gap factory or at GapFactory.com. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.